Well, we are in a multiple-part series called Family 30, and I hope you're enjoying it. We're only one week in, and I'm already having a lot of fun. Here we are with week two, but uh, week one, all week, I was just thinking, man, this is a great series. And somebody pointed out, well, it's a great start. We're not really in the series all the way yet. But uh, I enjoy what we're doing. I love all the value ads that we have with uh, our Go Kids University. Of course, the different magazine that we had, Family 30. Uh, If you didn't get this last week, please get it at your campus. It's at the Welcome Centers. We want you to have it um, to get the different articles and then also know what's coming uh, up ahead. Uh, Get it, read it, give it away to a friend, encourage them. Um, I got a call from my mom this week. She's like, that is a really good magazine. So one out of one mom's recommended. I'm just letting you know. So it comes highly recommended, but get it and uh, be sure to give it away. Um, Just, I I was asking how it was resonating with the campuses. I enjoyed uh, doing this, but I just said, how did it go at our Minneapolis campus? If you don't know, our Minneapolis campus meets in the Muse Event Center in the North Loop. Um, Just to put it in perspective, our campuses average about 23% Uh, children on any given weekend, 23%. Minneapolis campus is 5% children, okay? So I said, how did a family series go over there? And Kirk said, hey, they are young families um, and they're singles that want families. So they were listening, they were there. The Kardashian thing kind of got a little bit of a groan. Um, And I said, all right. So I'm just glad it went over at Minneapolis. And if they want to get married, I'm praying that they'll find God's will and God's grace wherever he or she may be. That didn't go over. That was like not even a groan. That was a joke. Will, great. Anyways, all right. I won't use it next service. Done. Done. All right. Too much to review, but let me point out a couple things. I'll get you up to speed. All the sermons are online. Um, I want to say this, that uh, a couple things I just want to point out that we talked in week one. We live in a delegated authority. God invented the family. He owns the patent, the copyright. He gives delegated authority. He's over it, and he gives delegated authority to the man. He says, you are the delegated authority. All your authority comes from me. You're the covering, the priest, the provider, protector of the home, but it's a delegated authority. He delegates that authority to his wife, and together they lead the family, and it's a delegated authority from God. Um, We talked about you should pray for your family. I don't have a time to go into all the things, but you should pray for your family, with your family, over your family, And I love the reports from all the campuses and even seeing it with my own eyes. People praying together as a family. I don't think I've ever been met with as many tears in the lobby of people saying thanks for the prayer time, as simple as that was to be able to pray for, with, and over our family. And I want you to continue to do that. Um, And the other point I want to say is just from week one was, I believe your atmosphere can change right now. I believe that habits take time, but your atmosphere can change right now. And many of you grabbed hold of that and you said, my atmosphere will change right now. The habits, I'll work on it, but my atmosphere changes right now. And I want you to keep holding on to that hope and that faith and that belief that your atmosphere is changing and your family will be different. Your best family right now, 30 days, your best family, you are grabbing a hold of that. But with that thought in mind that habits take time to change, um, we're going to talk about things today that you need to take away from your family. Things that you need to eliminate, move out, minimize, um, change. 
And so last week was a lot of fun. It was, you know, here's things we get to add. And, you, and it was, I was having a lot of fun with all the little props that were up here and different things. And it was fun. But I want to tell you this. Today, I've, I've felt a burden. All week long, I've been living in what I would call like a, a sermon burden for this moment. Because when I think about the bad things that we could talk about, when I think about the bad things that are in families, I, I, I mean, there were so many things that I could talk about, eliminate these things. And I'm trying to go with three things today that we're going to eliminate that, that hit a lot of people, that just, they're general, they hit a lot of people. But there were so many specific things that I prayed about. And as I prayed about these things, I just felt that I had to call them out and say they need to be out of your family. Even if I can't preach on them for a while, even if I just mention them, I want the Holy Spirit to use the fact that I'm mentioning them now to have it convict you so you realize it needs to change. There are things that need to change in your family. And I want to tell you right now that if you are involved in physical abuse in your home, in Jesus' name, you have to change that. That has to be gone. We won't take this whole sermon to talk about it, but I'm bringing it up right now to say that the Lord is using this moment right now to convict you to realize physical abuse has to go in Jesus' name. You need to go to a counselor. You need to get help. You need to get prayer. Jesus can deliver you, but you need to get that out in Jesus' name. It has no part in a Christian family. It has no part in any family. I'm talking I, no throwing things, no physical abuse, none of that. I want to tell you right now that uh, no swearing. There should be no swearing for a family. And I will touch on this a little bit. But still, I mean, the, we should not be using the F word in families that are Christian families. There should not be swearing. I don't even like the words that are close to swearing. And I'm just going to tell you that we cannot be speaking like that in a Christian family. And I'm telling you, repent in Jesus' name. You, your mouth needs to speak pure things. Immorality in its various forms needs to be gone from the family in Jesus' name. It, it, it needs to be gone. There's no place in the Christian family for that, and it needs to be gone. Another thing is, I, I could talk about this, we can't withhold forgiveness Maybe you were raised in that. I don't have a, I, I can't go into it all the way, but I just want to touch on this, that some people think that, well, I'm really going to punish them and I'm going to withhold things and I'm going to really make them grovel in it. I'm telling you what, that's not your heavenly father's example and you need to get rid of that in Jesus' name. When you call upon the Lord and you ask him to forgive you, when you ask him to, to when you say, I'm sorry for what I've done, he doesn't go, well, really, really grovel in it for a while. Then maybe... I'll get around. I'm going to give you the silent treat for a while and then maybe I'll forgive. How many know he's ready to forgive us? And maybe your family had that mode of passive aggressive. And I know many times in Minnesota that seems to be a thing. It's kind of that passive aggressive. We've got to change that. We cannot withhold forgiveness. When people ask for forgiveness, we need to give them that forgiveness and then work towards reconciliation as much as it's possible on us. But we've got to give that forgiveness to them. I believe God is the, the kind of God that comes after us and says, I'm ready for you to forgive. It's almost as if he's chasing us down. The prodigal son, the story of that with the father running to the son. And I just believe we've got to stop withholding forgiveness and give forgiveness freely in Jesus' name. I thought about all these things this week and I, 
I literally, I wore this weight on me. I, I cried even as I was preparing this message because I thought about, there's so many different people on, on this faith journey. Some of you are new to this. You just have given your life to Jesus Christ in the last couple of weeks or months. Some have been in the family of God for years and years and years, but my heart breaks for those that are just new in this and they're trying to figure out like, how do I get rid of these things? And I was bearing that burden this week and praying for you. And I, I can tell you this, that since 1973, this blew my mind, since 1973, our family has followed Jesus. We've not known unforgiveness. We've not known the strife and the suffering and those things. I mean, our family, when my mom and dad gave their life to Jesus Christ, and then I gave my life to Jesus Christ, like right after they did, and we really became believers in Jesus Christ, man, our whole family changed. Our whole family changed. My mom and dad said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, everything changed. And what they did is they were aggressive after the bad habits that were in their life. They went after them with a fury. I mean, I didn't realize this, but my mom told me, she said, before I met Jesus, I swore like a sailor. She said, my, grand, my dad was in the Navy, a lieutenant commander. He swore like crazy. And she goes, I could swear with the worst of them. And she goes, and when I met Jesus and then I read about profanity, she's like, I was like, we're changing that right now. She's like, we did all sorts of wrong things. And she said, as we got into the word of God, we just started saying, we're changing that. We're changing that. That won't be in our family. That won't be in our family. And she, her and my dad were aggressive chasers of God and, and cleaning up and getting rid of those habits that were there. It could have marred our life, but instead they said, we will clean things up by the power and grace of God. And so if that's you right now, you're like, we're new to this. By the power and grace of God, grab hold of this. Aggressively chase after the things. I may not have mentioned what you're dealing with in your home, but right now, if the Holy Spirit brought it to your remembrance, Grab hold of it right now and say, I will be aggressive to clean up this house, to change this in the name of Jesus. We're gonna drive out things that are bad. I'm gonna read the word saying, God, if that needs to go, get it out of my family. And I wanna pray for you right now here at all of our campuses. I wanna just pray that you would be aggressive in going after the things that need to go and we will move those things out in Jesus' name and you'll grab hold of it. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to be aggressive at cleaning things up, to getting our habits under the authority of Jesus Christ, under the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we don't have to be like what our family was before. We don't have to live in those same shadows. We don't have to live in the same pain, in the same abuse, in the same violations. I pray in Jesus' name we'd grab hold of the grace that you would give us, the power you would give us to break free from it. Help us to find Christian counselors. Help us to take advantage of ministries that will help set us free in Jesus' name. And help us to move forward, Lord Jesus, in the power that you give to every single one of us. So thank you, Lord, that you set us free. You give us the strength to overcome all this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I just, I believe that there are things that we have to get rid of. And I want to, again, go with these high percentage, general things that a lot of us have. Maybe they lack the intensity of what I just shared there. But at the prayer time moments, at the end of the service, you might need to go forward to a prayer team member and say, I need to pray. That first part, that's where I'm living. 
but for all of us here, here's three things that we should get rid of. Three things that we should get out of our family and do everything we can to change the atmosphere and change the habits. The first thing is we need to take away selfishness from our family. We need to take away selfishness from our family. I believe the key to harmony, I believe the key to uh, unity, I believe, I believe the key to, to peace in our home is found in this unconditional love, this submitting to one another, this helping each other. Let me read two scriptures. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's this mutual submission, like I'm taking care of you, we're working in this together, let's, let's yield to one another. And then Romans 12, verse 10, I love what the Berean Study Bible, I love the way that it translates this. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, outdo yourselves in honoring one another. I love it. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. And uh, I can remember when I was in Bible college, I asked one of our professors, he was teaching a class, marriage and family. And I asked him, I said, is marriage 50-50? Like, you know, you got to go into this 50-50. He's like, no, marriage is 100-100. How many know what I'm talking about? You're giving 100%, they're giving 100%, and you're going to try to outdo each other. And I love what that script, outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Instead of saying, what's in it for me, which is very selfish, you start saying, God, how can I do something that will honor you, that will prefer this person? How can I try to outgive this person? Because we are, we are very, very selfish people. Now, you're probably not, but I am, you know. I go, no, I'm like, there's a really good seat. I'm going to go for that seat, all right, you know? We're very selfish people, and I think we're getting more selfish. How many would agree we're more selfish than previous generations? I mean, I never, my dad worked three jobs, and I never heard my dad say, I need a little me time. You know what I'm saying? He never said that. I mean, my mom and dad were like all about, you know, just working and doing this, and I never heard him like, we need our time. And I think about it. They didn't even have like an ensuite bathroom. They had like two bathrooms for like 12 of us. I mean, they had, they were like life-giving, not selfish. They were just taking care of us. And I think we get so selfish. And if you're going to have a family that's going to thrive, you're going to have to say, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to prefer others. I'm going to try to outdo them and outserve in this family. And you're also going to have to make sure that your children, if you're raising children, that they are not selfish. And I'll give you a, a couple of practical tips as we go through this sermon. Um, how many know that two-year-olds are just selfish? Two-year-olds, they are selfish, and you've got to try to figure out how to get them to not be selfish. I'll give you a little uh, practical parenting tip. Um, if something can be split, tell your children that you want them to share it. And if something cannot be split, tell them you want them to take turns. Let me illustrate. If a cookie, like if they have a cookie, they say, share your cookie. How many know you can split a cookie, right? And you can share it. But then when they're playing with a toy and you say, share your toy, they're like, how do we cut it down the middle? How do we break this truck in half? So you say, take turns. And if you want to drive out selfishness, usually around the age of three, they grab hold of this and they start understanding that, hey, wait a minute, we're supposed to share in our family. If you're going to drive out selfishness and you're single, you need to start being a selfless person. You need, you need to do the opposite of what Megan Trainer says in her song, Dear Future Husband. How many have heard that song, Dear Future Husband? 
all right? It's got kind of a 50s bop to it, Dear Future Husband. And if you listen to the words, it sounds innocent, you know, at first. But then as I was listening to the words, I was like, wait a minute, this is really selfish. This is what Megan says in her song, Dear Future Husband. She says, if you treat me right, I'll be the perfect wife. Buying buying groceries, buying what you need. By the way, it's the only thing she says she's going to do for her husband in the song. She's going to buy the groceries, all right? And then she says, you've got that nine to five, but baby, so do I. So don't be thinking I'll be home and baking apple pies. I never learned to cook. So I'm not sure who's cooking in her home. After every fight, just apologize. Even if I was wrong, you know I'm never wrong. Why disagree? And she goes on, it's all one-sided, like do this for me, take care of me. And then she says, oh, and I'll give you some love. If you take care of me and it's all about me. And as I'm listening to this song, I'm realizing she's probably gonna write a sequel. Dear future next husband, Henry the eighth I am, I am. I mean, it's not like that. You know, that's not, if you are single, you need to kill selfishness in your life and be someone that is working to prefer others. The Bible says in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. We should be serving and taking there. Now, to break selfishness in children, I believe you need to get out there, and selfishness is broken in hands-on moments, all right? There were moments that shaped you And you need to let those moments happen to your children and let those moments shape them. And I think selfishness is broken in hands-on moments where you get out and you serve and you take care of people. And if you have an opportunity with one of our local projects to go out and take a selfish person and help a broken person, how many know God does something spectacular in your life then? And so these opportunities are there for you to be able to uh, help them to break selfishness. One more practical tip, and then we'll go on to number two. Um, If your child is having a temper tantrum, how many know that is selfishness on display? They are trying to invert the order. They are trying to say, I'm the boss of the family, and they're having a temper tantrum. I'm going to tell you how to handle temper tantrums right now. Never give in. The moment you give in to a temper tantrum, it's game over. They, they've inverted the order, all right? Don't give in to the temper tantrum. If the temper tantrum is happening at home, just wait them out. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, you're not going to, we're going to just continue to do what we're doing, and you can go ahead and have that moment. Now, if you're out in public and they're having a temper tantrum, you just can't leave them there. How many know that? You can't, like, see you later. Hope somebody doesn't take you from the mall. You know, you can't do that, all right? But what you can do is you can remove them from the situation and say, this won't work. This won't work. And you can tell them the consequence. This is not going to work. There's consequences when we get home. We're going to leave now. And you think, well, everybody's looking. And I mean, it would be easier just to accommodate. No, it's not. No, it's not. People are looking, but they're wondering what you're going to do. And anyone that has good kids or is older is going, good job. Take them out. Don't give in. I remember watching one mom with her daughter and her daughter was hiding under the chairs at the airport, you know, and we're waiting for the flight. And she goes, come on out. We got to get on the flight. And the girl goes, no, not coming out. She goes, mommy wants you to come out. No. What can mommy do so you'll come out? And I was like, oh, game over. I want the dress. Which dress? 
you know, the pink one. Okay, mommy, we'll buy you the pink one. Will you come on? With the bow. Okay, with the bow. I thought, oh, my goodness. She was having a nice moment and ruining a life. I'd rather have that moment that is going to be tough and not ruin that life. All right, another thing. Um, we're going to have to get rid of unwholesome talk. I talked about it in the beginning, but it bears repeating, not just profanity. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesomeness talk, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, no profanity. That'd be included in that. In, uh, about five years ago, I did a sermon on profanity and saying that there's no place in the follower of Jesus Christ. We need to rid ourselves of profanity. But in addition to that, I mean, no unwholesome talk, even the tone. How many know the tone? We should not be yelling at each other in the home. You may be angry, but you should not be yelling. We used to have these neighbors across the street from us. They would yell so loud, we could hear them in their house, in our house, windows closed, screaming. I thought, that is just crazy. That's, that's, that is not the way. You have to get that unwholesome talk out of your home in the volume like that. I can remember early on in our marriage, Beck and I were in a, having a, a heated argument. Heated, I don't even remember what it was about, but I do remember what happened. We did not have kids at the time. And she goes, stop yelling at me. And I said, I am not yelling. This is not yelling. And then I went, this is yelling. And she goes, don't ever do that. That scared me. And I said, I won't do that ever, ever again. She's like, don't do that. A godly family does it. I did it one other time in my life, but not to her. We were sitting on our deck at night. It was late at night. Lights were all out. And all of a sudden I see a guy on my deck smoking a cigarette right here in Lakeville, smoking a cigarette, stealing my lawn furniture. And I thought, I have one chance to scare this guy off my deck. So I went, what are you doing on my deck? And, and I, I scared Becca and him. They both fainted. But anyways, <laughs> twice in my life I've used that voice. But uh, seriously, no yelling. If your kids are refereeing you, that needs to be out in Jesus' name. There's no place for that. But in addition to Ephesians 4.29, with what it's talking about, that unwholesome talk, do you know that sarcasm can be so damaging? The word sarcasm actually means this, to strip the flesh off. No wonder it hurts so bad. We're so sarcastic with our words. And you say, well, that's like our love language. Get a different love language in your family. Get a different love language because it hurts. Harvard found out that verbal abuse can cause more damage than physical or sexual abuse. It's horrible when you're doing verbal abuse and sarcasm and put-downs. We have a wonderful song that our kids learned at church called Speak Life. They sing it in our kids, Speak Life. It's on the kids' CD if you have it. Speak Life. I love that we say speak life instead of tearing people down. We're going to speak life. And I want to tell you this. Other studies found out that even if mom and dad are tearing down a child, if another adult will speak positive things into their life, it'll counterbalance what their mom and dad are doing. It'll buoy this person. It'll lift them up. 
So I want to tell all of our teachers, if you are working with kids, speak life over them. If you are a youth leader, speak life over them. If you are an usher, greeter, speak life over people. Let's, let's be positive. If you're a teacher in the public school, speak life over those students. Take it as a mission to be on, to counterbalance all the negative that rests on these children. And let's lift them up. Massachusetts General Hospital. It's true. There really is a General Hospital. I thought it was a soap opera. Massachusetts General Hospital found out in 2012, they said simply saying words like peace, love, joy, simply saying them out loud, just saying them, releases endorphins in your body that starts to benefit your body. Who knew that you could start speaking Galatians 5, and 23, but, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and you'd actually be building yourself up. You'd actually be releasing endorphins by simply saying that scripture out loud. Let's speak life in Jesus' name and drive out unwholesome, ungodly talking in our homes. Third one. They're in the same passage. You need to get rid of dishonor and exasperation. Dishonor from the children's side, exasperation from the parents' side. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Some versions say don't provoke them to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's an amazing thing. The Apostle Paul is writing this, and I want you to understand, if you think it's hard to raise a good family today and have your family best now, you got to understand the context of where they were when the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church. He's saying, it's a different day. We're going to do family different. Our best family, God wants it to be different. In Roman culture, the father could do whatever he wanted to the children. He could sell them if he wanted. It was his right to do that. He was the authority over his children until he died. When a child was born in Rome, they would take the child and place the child at the feet of the father and he would have a moment there. If he would look down and stoop down and pick up the child, the child would live. But if he walked away, the child was left to die. Because he was like, they may be an inconvenience. It was so immoral in the time when Paul was writing this that people wanted to pursue their immorality and move from partner to partner and do all this. And they didn't want children, so they would bring them to the Colosseum and leave them for other people to just grab their kids and take them as slaves or to fill brothels. That's the culture that was going on. And Paul's like, we're going to do family different. We're going to do family different. There's going to be honor, and then there's not going to be provoking them to anger. God wants your family to be really different. And so it's a beautiful thing that's going on. In this culture there, Rome was like saying, hey, it's so bad, we've got to stop giving benefits. We're going to limit the benefits that families that don't have children, we're going to limit the benefits because society's falling apart. Maybe we ought to look at that and say, wait a minute, what are we doing with family right now? Take a lesson from them. God's saying our family is going to be different. There's going to be honor. There's going to be obedience. And there's going to be a, a godly parenting to the children. So let me talk to the kids for just a moment. Again, we have an amazing kids' church. Go kids. 
and many of them are in there, but some of them are here, and the tweens age, teens, all right? You obey your parents. You obey your parents. Until you're out of the home and paying your own bills, you are obeying them. And we're going to ask you to obey them. We're going to stand with them and say, obey your parents. You say, well, then I'm moving out. And I'm, well, move out. But at your own peril in many situations. We used to say to our kids, like, hey, if you're in this house, these are our rules. I'm paying the bills. You're doing it. You know, my mom and dad used to say, you're going to church. We're paying. You're going. You know, they said, you'll obey. We're going. To, these are our rules. And so we obeyed until we moved out. And even then, after that, they got really smart after I moved out. How many know that? I'll sound like, man, those things, they were really smart. I don't want to tell them that, though. But we're obeying and we're honoring. We honor forever. We honor by our behavior, by our life. We do things that make them smile. Proverbs is full of things that talk about a wise son brings joy to his parents. A foolish one is a weight, is, it brings suffering. And to the children that are listening, I would say, bring honor by the way you live your life. Bless them by the way you live your life. The last thing on this is don't exasperate them and provoke them. And I want to hit this. Um, you provoke your children to anger um, by several things, and I'll list a few things. One of them is by not flowing with the times, okay? Now hear me. I want you to be very clear. Flowing with the times versus being washed away by the times, okay? Washed away is everybody's wearing this, and you're like, no, that's immoral. You're not wearing that. You're not going out. That's being, if you say, well, all right, that's being washed away with the time. But flowing with the times, let me give an example that a lot of people ask. They're like, can my kid have a cell phone? You know, I didn't have a cell phone when I was in fifth grade. I was like, yeah, but they used Morse code back then. I mean, you're old, all right? They have phones, all right? They have phones when I was a kid. So we, we, we help. You got to flow. You say, all right, how old and what should we do and can they text? There's their, I mean, when I was a kid, my parents were like, girls don't call boys. Click, you know, I mean, that's, that's how it was in our home. Now it's different. They're texting. So you're flowing, but you're not getting washed away. You can exasperate your children. Another thing is you can over control them. Your goal is to help them to develop a responsive heart. You don't want to over-control them. The, the goal is to release the reins someday and let them go. Hopefully you've trained them for that moment. Another thing that you can exasperate or provoke them to anger is never encouraging them. We talked about that. Parents, you need to encourage them and say good things and positive things and, and build them up. Another thing would be hostile discipline. You want to provoke your children to anger? You do things like, oh, you better do that or I'll beat you. You know, you know I'm talking about that tone. Or being so stern with them that it, it's a discipline that's almost coming from a, a level of, of, of sternness and anger. I remember when, I don't even know what I did, but I remember the first time my brother and I got in trouble, really in trouble, and it was like, wait till your dad gets home. How many remember that statement? You know? And dad came home, and my dad was a sergeant major in the military. So he goes to discipline us, and he's like, boys, do you know what you have done? You know, he's going all General Patton on us. And he's like, you have violated the rules, and you will be. And I mean, I'm looking at my dad, and I'm terrified in the inside, but I start to laugh. He's like, you want me to wipe that smile off your face? And I'm like, inside, I'm terrified, dad. But I, I just, you're like, I, you know, and I don't know what to say. And he's about ready to give me a spanking, and I'm like, mom's laughing. Mom's laughing, too. <laughs> She took him out in the hall. She's like, Bob, they're five and three. Like, you know? Just remember that. Man. And so it's okay in a, a team 
husband and wife to help each other in those disciplines, that it's not hostile. And the last thing I would say that you could exasperate your children is you can have passive, empty directives. You better not or I will. You better not. Or, and then you never follow through. You never follow through. I'm going to tell you this. Our follow through, not our warnings, shape our children. Our follow through, not our warnings, shape our children. And you can't, that's, you're going to provoke them to anger. And then all of a sudden, one time you follow through and they're like, whoa, where'd that come from? And I want to give you one practical tip as we end on this. Um, when you count, don't go one, two, three, because how many know you can go three and a quarter, three and a half, three and three quarters, three and seven eighths. You can just keep, you know, as good as you are on math, you know, until uh, you go the opposite way and your kids are like, oh, you're going that bad, you know. Uh, but I would just recommend go three, two, one. Count down to zero if you're going to count. But to get those kids, don't make empty things. Really follow through on what you're doing. Otherwise, your kids will think you're just nagging them like they're in charge and you're nagging. Um, as I close, I'll give you this last thought. Sometimes I feel like less than dad. I just want to tell you this. In all the years, you know, you say, well, Pastor Rob did it all right. No, I didn't. There were many times I felt like less than dad, like I blew it. And I want to tell you what I'd do. I'd go to my kids and I'd say to Connor and Logan, hey, dad already asked God for forgiveness of this, and now he wants to ask you for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I just want to tell you, if you feel less than, if you feel like you blew it, if the Holy Spirit brings something up to remembrance that's years old, man, Go to them say, I asked God to forgive me, and now I want to ask you to forgive me. And we can move forward and have the best family that God has for us. So, Lord, I just pray that we'd do that. We'd move forward in Jesus' name. If we feel less than, if we feel like we've done these things, these habits are there, help us to drive them out in Jesus' name to get the strength to do that and help us to move forward, Lord. Help us to be able to go to our children, ask for forgiveness when we blow it, Go to you and follow those prompts. Drive out those things. We don't have to look like our family did before. We can aggressively chase them out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.